Oh. What? Look at this rose someone left on a the beach. <laughs> There's a cold open. Welcome to Escaping Cerberus. I should have said welcome back to Escaping Cerberus. Welcome to Escaping Cerberus, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by the one person I would never want stranded on a parallel planet. Oh, that Tell was you. actually really cute yeah, this exactly. time. Normally, you're mean <laughs> to me. I know, I'm being all soppy yeah. and stuff. You do like me sometimes. Not occasionally i've just watched the doctor lose the woman he loves and i don't want the same time christ you're not it's fine i'm i don't plan uh, on going anywhere good you better not be <laughs> <laughs> welcome back everyone to escaping gusturbrus now gonna kick things off seems to be a standard approach yeah we might as well just add it into apology. our intro like apologies <laughs> yeah sorry we're late i just add it to my usual Shock spiel horror. um you know, we said when we started this again, we would not leave it more than two weeks. Uh, the last the literal like month has been. I think it has been busy. about a month since we last recorded. Like, I think it. Gen- I think it has been Apologies. about four weeks since our last episode. And if so you're binging this, we can just only ignore this intro and just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're catching up, uh, which a few people, I've had a few tweets recently about people who've said, "Oh my god, I've either found the podcast or I've rediscovered the podcast after." after the who culture stuff so it's like hello welcome to escaping Cerberus. uh usually we tried to not leave this for like t- over two weeks between episodes but if any of you have been keeping up with the stuff that uh, that i've been doing especially over the last couple of weeks i have been hella busy. i mean i would say if people have been keeping up with what i've been doing but i don't tweet or put anything up about yeah. what i've been doing no one knows I've just who been you really are really busy God. in my own life um <laughs> Work has just been really busy, and I've been, I've been loving yeah. it. Uh, I will say the new job—it's been fantastic. Like I've been working my ass off, but I don't feel—you know—I've been I've been tired, I've been knackered, but I don't hate it. No, it's I a good it. tired. But it does—it does mean that yeah, we've either there have been weeks when I've had to come home from work on a Wednesday and have to keep working through. Um, made a trailer for a real video game. Yeah, it's so way. cool. How? If how anybody cool wants that? to know what it is, check out traction with an x not a ck what? how do you spell well, actually, traction it's not, it's not on it's not on traction <gasps> what's it on ign is it it's on check IGN. out ign's on youtube channel it's on everything it's on nascar ignition about nascar nascar about nascar <laughs> what about nascar is all i ever say in the office what, what about, about nascar, NASCAR? <laughs> Um, so that's what I've been doing. So it's like working into the evenings sometimes, or I've just been coming home and being like, I am literally going to go upstairs and die because I'm yeah. shattered. So we can it's only apologize that it's, it's taken, <laughs> it's taken four weeks. Um, again, I can only thank people who have been, who are, who have been waiting for this podcast to, to come back for this, because this is the finale of series two, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, Whoops. Apologies for the wait. Uh, for those of you who've been tweeting and asking where we've been, it's always been like, are you guys okay? What's up? You know, when's the next episode? You've never been, oh my God, guys, sort it out. Get your asses together and get the next episode out because obviously we, we would very much I mean, appreciate stuff like that. We do but you try. guys have always been really nice. So yeah, we do try. We know it's never been, 
Whereas in our in our previously on episode, we talked about how the motivation just wasn't there by the end of last year. The motivation is very much hence there why we're still recording. Year, but but it's been literally down to we haven't had the time or the energy or something that stopped us from doing. I mean, yeah, we literally get to like the Wednesday, and in the morning we get up. And we get ready to go to work and we're like, right, we need to do the podcast tonight. We need to do the podcast tonight. And then like Rich will come home and he'll be like, yeah, I've got to carry on working for like the next three hours. So we can't do the podcast. And I'm like, okay. Or like, it'll be like, I'm really poorly. Can we just like not do the podcast, please? Um, Yeah, it's been it's been a a tumultuous few weeks, but hopefully things should remain pretty should be like at least every two weeks from here on yeah, touch wood. um things are still <laughs> things are still busy for me at work but it's it should be okay. i think it's still i'm but, still really busy it's just that all of my busyness just comes from a working cafe so like i have no need to tweet about what's going on um <laughs> bye but we'll keep you in the loop like I, i've been you know the beauty of having the twitter account now is i can say look it's not going to be this week we can only apologize etc etc and as said you guys are always really supportive of that, so yeah, thank thanks. you. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you and for not being arseholes. Can we, we appreciate it a can lot. Can we mention uh, you will need to access the Twitter to do this shout-out properly, but whoever it was that tweeted us and called them oh, right. yeah, Castapodians, yeah, 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 yeah. because that was adorable, yes. and we loved it. <laughs> uh, Richard Robertson. Amazing. With with a fantastic tweet saying, we are patient little Castapodians. That's so cute. And I'm like, oh, so my cute. god that is <laughs> so adorable y'all. so if you are okay if you're okay with being referred to as castapodians then because i love that's it. totally that then that's great if, if you're happy with that let us know on twitter at castapod tweet as you little castapodians because that's so, so cute adorable. like I, I i proper was like oh my god that's so <laughs> cute and then i think i either texted, text, I think I texted it, to it to you just like look at what someone said that's so cute <laughs> ah! but yeah thank you for waiting <laughs> you little castapodians that's all that's what we're gonna say thank you so yeah it's we're we're on to army of ghosts and doomsday the final two episodes of series which in case two. anybody forgot or as we do them as we do two parts as one episode now we're doing two parts as two parts so yeah army of ghosts and doomsday or as i like to call it as many shots of tracy ann oberman's tits as i possible. mean it was very tit heavy <laughs> good grief i mean I, 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 especially that you know, that oh, one shot where she like it's it's like a weird walks into, walks the, into door. the door and she yeah. like opens the door but the first shot before welcome it is just like literally her midriff and it's like oh and you are like, cleavage welcome to in between cleavage. them cans <laughs> i mean i literally turned to you and i was like i'm sorry but i just they're just right there they keep catching i was like my mate eye. i'm not it's being like, funny but you can't you, not catch their eye like they are right there you guys knew what you were doing didn't you of course you did it's russell t davies and fair enough <laughs> yeah, that's true. That that's that's very true. So uh, to, to to kick things off uh, on this episode of Escaping as Deborah's Tracy, nice tips. And for once, it's not um, me simping over David Tennant. No, it's not. It's me simping over Tracy Ann Oberman. Anyway, moving swiftly <laughs> on, because uh, <laughs> we actually do talk about episodes. <laughs> yeah, we do. We we don't just talk about boobies and I David mean, Tennant, but that's I mean, sort of. Yeah. Uh, first thing I want to talk about. Um, regarding this episode, obviously we don't need to explain the plot. I know this is how we used to do the podcast, but I realised just running it down isn't really re- relevant just because I see you guys have just watched it. And if you so, haven't just watched it, presumably um, you know what the plot is. You've got, you know, 
Tennant uh, Tennant and Rose come home. Jackie's like, oh, ooh, a spooky ghost, and uh, <laughs> Casper. All that the transpires. But ghost. The first, the first thing that that I want to mention uh, is that we're we're jumping. So I'm going to jump straight to the playground with the Doctor singing the Ghostbusters theme, Who are you um, gonna call? coming out of the TARDIS with his with that coral backpack, mm, which you only and his see traffic once. And I, I love the fact that they went through the effort to make those props look like the TARDIS just sort of birthed mm-hmm. them. That coral aesthetic, I don't think they've ever matched it. Again, I will always be very um, biased towards the Russell T. Davies era in many, Yo. many ways. But that TARDIS is, that beautiful, TARDIS is beautiful. And I love the fact that they kept they kept that design motif going. Even I will admit, like it is probably one of my favorite tardises i think the only one that i think is slightly comparable to it is what i can't remember which matt smith tardis is is it's one of them but you always say you don't like it i oh, think first it's the TARDIS. first one the one that isn't big and silver yeah it's got those kind of warm tones through it as far as i remember but it's got the weird stand in the middle I like yeah, that I, one. I, you don't. I uh, as much as that's a discussion to have when he gets to series five. That is a TARDIS that I, I. Oh, despise. I like it. <laughs> that is my least favorite TARDIS out of all um, of them. I despise but, Matt Smith's first but, TARDIS. It looks like it looks like a set built for a kids' TV show, and I can't be doing with it. I mean, it's too whimsical. I mean... <laughs> it looks like something. It looks like something Tim Burton drew, hmm. or like a knockoff Tim Burton. And I don't mm. like it. But anyway. anyway, my point being, I still think this is my favourite TARDIS. Like, out of all of them. Yeah. It's beautiful, it's, it's warm, it's like homely, it looks kind of earthy. It's alien. Yeah, it, it looks kind of like you've got all the... They're kind of like tree trunks, almost like inside with all the kind of like wavy yeah. bits. And... This is this is the first TARDIS to really give off the impression of it mm-hmm. living. The next one along, I would say, would be Jodie. Well, that's exactly that's what I was just going to say. Sort of natural I think and they tried to do that with the kind of crystal elements of Jodie's TARDIS, but for some reason, to me, Jodie's TARDIS doesn't land the same way that Eccleston Jody, and Jodie's TARDIS does. Has, has zero. It's character. got like nothing to just it. Just because it spits out custard creams and has a little glass TARDIS police yeah. box on it, it feels really have that kind same of like. As- Whereas Tenants feels notice. really Tenants. well, Eccleston slash Tenants feels really yeah. um, like grounded and kind of like natural, almost as if it like grew. Mm. Jodie's well, well, yeah, Jodie's TARDIS feels really clinical and like we've like it's been built. Well, in a, in a tech, I'd say technically the most clinical of the TARDISes would have been that well, yes. one, which was all it silver been, and yeah, cold. Yeah. I, still a beautiful set i don't i don't care for that one ah uh, but you see capaldi's one where they warmed it up and added the bookshelves and stuff yeah mm, they improved good. it uh, but anyway yeah so the doctor's wearing this backpack with all the the the, the coral colored things and it's just really mm. silly and i i love that 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 recurring motif and the little radio box it's got the gallifrey well on it so the little the little details although like i did that. love how and i said I to love... you didn't i i loved how they basically just wrapped either a hose pipe or an extension cord in like silver and just like wound it up to make it look like a <laughs> coil <laughs> yeah exactly and at that specific point um vicky tweeted us uh saying that the when you when it gets to that point in the episode 
you very much hear what became the Torchwood yes. theme. Because obviously Torchwood is a recurring motif through series two, and this is where it comes to its to its uh, its its pinnacle, its its point, its spearhead, I guess. And this is where that motif that was used for the Torchwood soundtrack comes into play for the first time. You hear you hear sort of echoes of it up to this point, but it's almost bang on the Torchwood. I bloody theme. love that theme. So, so I mean, good. I bloody love Torchwood. We talk about I mean, this yeah. enough. But Torchwood's such a good great. theme. But I was like, I wonder which they came up with first. Because when was Torchwood like released as a series? What year was that? I think it was also 2006. So I wonder whether they'd come up with both of them, like whether they'd come up with it for Torchwood first and then they'd gone, mm, was... we're going to use this in Doctor Who because it's using Torchwood. The spin-off was definitely there. Um, uh, It was already established they were going to do yeah. a spin-off. I'm pretty certain. I'm literally just going to very quickly check now. I'm pretty certain they established they were going to do it as a spin-off um, because Torchwood is an anagram mm-hmm. of Doctor Who and that was the title they did, they, they shot under for series one, if I remember oh, rightly. Right. And it just sounds, it cool. just sounds really cool. <laughs> so they just turned it into this, this yeah, series. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it aired from 2006. Right. So it would have been... Um, sort of in production. Uh, or... it, it was already established. So... It, this was sort of the the, the beginning of it, and the it crossover. was there to be spun off yeah. from. Yeah, and then obviously the the Torchwood that we know from the series, the Captain Jack side of Torchwood, then does merge with with Doctor Who in series. Four. Yes. So yeah, but with that again, that's something um, we'll get to. But uh, the music, I mean, the music in general during this whole two parter is like probably the pinnacle of music in Doctor Who. I would say, like, yeah. And funnily enough, I'm just quickly scrolling through. Oh the, yeah, we uh, didn't check questions before the, we started. <laughs> the questions. No, no, I have quite. I've got the questions here, but there's one that is very specifically about the music. I'm just trying to find exactly where it is and who it was from. Um, doobie 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 doo. Where are you? Question. Where are I you? Question. I will fill in Come the on. gaps while you are searching for the question. How about um... while I actually I say while I search the question, I was going to say, why don't you take the next point I was going to talk about? But I want to. I want to. Oh, here we go. Stuart. Hello, Stuart Miller. Asking, do you feel that Murray Gold's themes and general scoring of the episodes is on point? Uh, I think he really found his groove yeah. from here onwards. Like, there's yes. no way you can say he's not on point because I mean, ooh, like just the that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I tried to sing it and went. I mean, just like <laughs> I tried to sing it and realised I would never be able to do it justice. <laughs> Apologies, people. <laughs> just that, like. Oh, just the the the, uh, the doomsday theme is literally just like the doomsday theme oh, is iconic. Like every time I hear just that piece that, of just music, that. it's just like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. That piano yeah. note, and then just yeah, it's just so good. The, the, yeah, exactly. See, so you tried to do it as well. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we everyone knows what yeah. we're talking about. Um, and yeah, torture themes on point. There are moments when we're down in the sphere chamber where there are very much elements taken from uh, Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. Um, very, very clearly have been lifted and used again. There's a lot of reused um, soundtrack in series two as there is in Did series Gold one. Did Barry do the a... uh, soundtrack for... Yeah. Part of the ways. Murray Gold did the soundtrack all the way through till the end of Capaldi. Oh. He did it for Who that long. Who switched after Capaldi? And it was Sagan Akinola. I could not pronounce that if you paid to me. Do, so. To do um, Jodie's series onwards. Oh. Which, 
I I the like music the is music still pretty in banging. Series eleven and twelve. It's it's different, but I do quite like it. It doesn't feel. It, it, it's the thing is, this kind of follows on from what Stuart's asked about so, or said, but saying that uh, he thinks he found his guru from here on onwards. And I would agree. Uh, I know exactly what you're about to say. Up until up, up until Matt yeah, Smith's era. when he basically starts reusing and overusing. Which theme is it? Is it the Doctor's the theme? The Doctor's theme. Dun, yeah, dun, 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 he overused dun, 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 that so dun, dun, dun. much. I That's, mean, it's an incredible it became, piece of music, but it became like it's iconic. It became like the kind of and same oh, with, Matt Smith had with an Capaldi's epiphany. Theme. Quick, we're gonna play the Doctor's theme. Epiphany. epiphany. You know what I mean? Epiphany. Epis- <laughs> he pissed on me. <laughs> I mean, if Matt Smith pissed on me, I'm okay with that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, you were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the 12s theme mm. as well. Um, it's kind of harder to sort of hum it. Um, it's kind of got like a rolling yeah. violin. And it has a sort of a, some brass. It goes. Brr, brr, yeah, and it, I know. You, yeah. If I played it, yeah, so you'd recognize it. But it was the same all the way through that. It was just his every time there's an epiphany every time something big happens all of the next time every time the doctor's clever this theme it just had this doctor's theme and as much as it it cheapened the whole thing it reminded me of the batfink cartoons (laughs) from god knows when do you know know batfink i do you know batfink when i said that i was like i don't know whether you know batfink but it's cool that you do know what Batfink. i mean i can't say i watched Um, it much but i do know it if you don't know what Batfink is, it's a classic, classic cartoon. I if don't you know don't what know what Batfink is, you were probably it's... born after the 90s. <laughs> Batfink is like 60s, I think. Yeah, Batfink is mid to late Damn. 60s. Um, and it's... Good God, they made a hundred episodes. Jesus. In the space of like a year and a half. But then again, what? Batfink was only six minutes long. Oh. <laughs> and... The episodes are so so formulaic. Mm-hmm. Like it's always like, um, I'll use my sonar to do this, and it will have this whole scene that's just repeated yeah. footage of this like sonar noise going and finding something and coming back to him. And then they the bad guys always have guns, and he goes, "Your bullets can't hurt me. My wings are like a shield of steel." They put he puts his wings over, and all the bullets bounce off. And it's like literally the same thing every. Every single episode, a hundred episodes of the same thing. Can you thing. imagine? And as much as that, as much as this is a really, really overblown, really um, uh, overenthusiastic way of comp- of comparison to Matt yeah. era, but like the fact that it's always like, oh, here's the um, here's the epiphany, here's the big thinking scene, um, which we'll get to regarding Army of Ghosts mm-hmm. and Doomsday, um, and here's the piece of music to go with it. Yeah. So I think Murray, not that Murray Gold got lazy because there was some good music, but I think maybe it wasn't Murray Gold specifically. Yeah, he probably had influence the music, from like music became less prevalent. I well, felt it became less. There's not as much. Oh, we're not prevalent. Less, less like less individualistic. Iconic. Like unique. Yeah, unique is probably a better word because it's it probably wasn't much of his decision to reuse the same theme over and over again that probably came a lot from maybe mm. like Stephen Moffat or like the director that have been a post producer or like you know but, whoever but yeah i bless i was i was i was annoyingly kind of happy that Murray Gold didn't continue into series 11 i was like they needed some new life in the music of doctor who but Farmer Ghost and Doomsday. Yes, yes, he did very much Hugely find iconic music. his stride. His music is incredible and continues to be incredible for the next couple of seasons. 
and obviously for me personally obviously i love daleks a lot but the dalek themes the the use of sort of the synthesizers and the percussion just I, again i can't really like do it mm-hmm. but you when you hear it you know it's dalek because they've used it do, since do, dalek do, all through do, parting do, of the ways and yeah. uh, bad wolf and then into this like and the same with the cybermen music and and putting that all together it's just it's fantastic uh, it's absolutely just a quick fantastic. question remind me this is season two yeah so we're yes. still on my phone just went um, off i apologize it, i didn't hear it um because Good. of the fact that <laughs> lol because of the fact that we've taken so long to record these um i'm getting very confused as to the fact that this is still only tenant's first series right like yeah. that's the character development from new new york i'm gonna call it new new york because i can't remember what that's, new that's the one the character development from new earth through two army of ghosts and doomsday in one season like i don't know whether it's because we've watched them quite spread out and so for me it kind of feels like that development happened um much more progressively because we had these like mm. they russell g davies kind of wrote in these gaps in their timeline that we don't know what they did where they went like what they got up to it feels like his character developed in such a like realistic way like we haven't just seen them develop over the course of like six weeks or whatever um mm. it has actually been i don't know how many years that him and rose have been together um but i love the difference between the david's doctor at the start of series one and david's doctor at the end of uh, series two sorry you know what i meant um david's doctor at the yeah. start of series two and the end of series two because it really feels like now at sort of the pinnacle of David's like, well, the end of David's first series that I'm watching the doctor. I remember, whereas at the start of series two, I kind of feel like he's not the doctor that I, I love. And that I remember because he's obviously exploring the character and the script is written for him to be exploring who he is as that, this doctor. And that's obviously great. And, you know, David's performance is incredible regardless but I really feel like this is where we see him start to come into his own as his doctor and I just I love that kind of sense of comfort that I feel from him being that doctor that I love so much and that I remember and I just think it's fantastic <laughs> yeah some people I mean some people weren't sure about that that romantic I wouldn't even say like, it's kind of a subplot, but if anything, everything else becomes the subplot because this is the running plot say. throughout the course of the series. That, as you say, yeah, there is this there's this big evolution between Christmas Invasion slash New Earth tenant through to where he is now, and it might feel like yeah, this this whole thing has happened over thirteen episodes, but it's like this this relationship began with with Eccleston, and I think that's what because you don't picture Eccleston and Rose together in the same way you picture Tennant and Rose at the end of yeah. series two. But this whole build-up of their relationship has happened over what is technically 26, 27 mm-hmm. episodes, not just yeah. 13 in this series. So, and, and you know, there are moments in this two-parter where you'd assume that the Doctor would say... Uh, you know, is it when is it a scene when Rose and the Doctor are on that sort of whatever Wait, planet, planet looking at yeah, pterodactyls yeah. at the beginning of series at the beginning of um Army of Ghosts, 
And he's like, how long are you going to be here? And she's like, forever. And yet, this series in School Reunion, Rose basically says exactly that and the tenant brushes mm, her off. And also, literally, the so, previous episode where he was like, never say never. And then all of a sudden, exactly. they're literally writing in the fact that he's like, okay, I'll happily stay with you forever. It's like, hang the butts on. But I think it was mainly because they needed that impact of the emotional like lead up to the whole story because obviously at the beginning of army of ghosts she's like this is the story of how i died and we went on lovely adventures and we did this and we didn't think anything would ever come between us so they obviously need to throw in like bits and pieces here and there to sort of be like you know they were planning on being together forever and (laughs) lol whoops (laughs) yeah that didn't happen um regarding sort of relationships let's talk about the first sort of point of the episode where it was kind of like well this was a bit sort of on the nose and a bit sudden and a bit sort of unnecessary and that is when po is during the playground scene when the doctor's trapping that ghost and jackie on board the tardis just all of a sudden gets all like you're not the girl. You're not the girl that I know. You- one day you're gonna be. I'm gonna be dead. You're gonna be on some moon, and you're not. You're gonna be this old some woman, <laughs> this old crazy woman who's not Rose Tyler. And it's like, oh, yeah, right, right, Jackie, tits. She's a bloody. Christ I mean, she's like twenty years old, nineteen years old, however bloody hell old she is. Twenty, yeah, twenty. I do by this point. Like, and you're literally you're hounding her as if she's like forty and she's already forgotten about you, but. I mean, I sort of see the point of it because I said to you, didn't I, that I think they're doing it to show us... Well, you said to show us a different perspective. Um, but I I said primarily I think they're doing it because we haven't seen that much of Jackie this series. Um, and no, uh, right, yeah. it, like, it kind of hits home that family perspective from Jackie's end like she's just been sat at home waiting for them to show up like you know she says oh I don't know why you use that bloody phone you never use it and all that jazz um but she says that in a sort of a joking way when they come back and she's all she's all happy and jolly but then admittedly she's convinced that her dad's mm -hmm. come back in the form of that ghost that rocks up in her kitchen and I think when you know she doesn't get overly defensive she doesn't get sort of stroppy when the Doctor and Rose are like, yeah, that's not your dad, Jackie. I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's not your dad. And she doesn't get all angry at them. But I think that has exacerbated the situation of her thinking. It's, it's like, a, you know, the domino yeah. effect. And she's like, oh, this has happened. Oh, now I'm angry at this. Oh, and now I'm going you know, to tell her how I, think I really feel about all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a domino effect kind of thing because obviously when you first go home and visit your family they're really excited to have you back but like jackie's obviously come i mean she bloody snogs the face off the doctor and i'm literally like go on jackie you i mean there. back to the same pin can you blame her <laughs> no. um but exactly. at first she's all excited she's like oh you're the best man in the world you are or whatever it is she says to the doctor um yeah. and then literally within the next breath she's like oh you're coming in here and ruin everything like you know sort of thing um and i think it is that reality of kind of like yeah okay they're back but how long for because she realistically knows that they're going to disappear at some point um because that's just how it's been for the last sort of god knows how many years that they've been off doing stuff um so i I can totally see her point because as her mum, you would be protective of her and defensive of her and you would want the best for her and so you would be very much like 
I don't recognise you anymore. And that stresses me out. But it is a bit dark the way she's suddenly like, I'm going to be dead and you're going to be swanning about. And are you even (laughs) going to think of me? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it is justified to some extent. As I said, there's the domino effect. There's exacerbated by the Doctor and Rose not believing and thinking it's her dad. But it's definitely there to be like, by the way, guys, you know Rose is going to die, right? She said it about 14 yeah. times already in this episode. She'll say it again in the opening of Doomsday. It's like, yeah, okay, we get it. Even even like the line at the end of Fear Her that you said earlier, you know, never say never, something's coming. It's like, it's a bit on mm. the nose. I know we all kind of know. And yeah, it, it's just, it's building up that big hype. As, as said, and we'll get to this again later, you know, there's this, um, they need to keep that momentum going. It's almost like they can't lull on something for too long in case people start to look at, I don't know, X Factors on because X Factor <laughs> was borderline worth watching back in 2006. Borderline. Um, borderline. I mean, I even I watched it. I mean, yeah, because we were 10. <laughs> I lo- Just very, very quick segue. I love the fact that it went on, it was trending because it's like, oh, X Factor's been cancelled. Everyone was like, oh, no. Wasn't anyway, it? I, went, um, I didn't even realise it was still on. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's still on, but it's been <laughs> canned now. It's like, oh yeah, because I don't think anyone's cared since God knows who no. won. Uh, eh. but anyway, um, yeah, I had a point. We'll get to we'll get to I keeping had a point things moving. I was going to say, and uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. I apologise, but I distracted it's you with fine. Factor. Should we talk about Joe McEldry? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but his cover of the climb was so no. good. Anyway, um, I think. I was maybe going to... I I definitely had a point about whatever it was you were saying, and now I can't remember what it was. Um, But tangentially, if that's a word, I think it's a word, um, I want to talk about their reuse of actors. And I'm pretty sure we've touched on this before, but can somebody say Martha? (laughs) No, it's not Martha. Her twin sister. (laughs) I don't don't know what her name is. It's a weird... Uh, I, I, it's not I an English name. This. I know that for a fact. No, it's not. What well, I can't remember what it is that she said that she references it to. Known as Addy, or AD. I think they I said Addy, something like that. In the show, uh, yeah, a cousin and companion. It's mm, like right. cousin, mm, very very identical mm. cousin. Mm. <laughs> Big, Big sus. Barely ever heard from but her it's again. Just, I mean, she did so. die. Lol. Um, yeah yeah it's just like don't get me wrong i understand obviously that you know if you've already worked on the show like we've discussed it before with peter capaldi being in the fires of pompeii karen gillen being in the fires of pompeii but karen gillen's colin baker was in something something before he was the doctor in during the fifth doctor era i can't remember what it was off the top of my head yeah but like karen gillen's not amy pond is she like she's a weird and it's not literally like like, two episodes like one episode prior to her being yeah, a companion. And in Capaldi's era, they do reference the fact that he like takes faces of people he knows. So that kind of explains how the face of whoever, whatever the character's name is in Pfizer Pompeii that I can't remember, um, how he becomes the doctor because it's kind of like, oh, he's stolen the face of the guy that, well, not stolen the face, but he like takes on the face of people that he's like met throughout his past and what have you and all that jazz. But for companions, it's a little bit different. It's kind of like, how do you legitimately explain having Martha and then having Martha? 
<laughs> like there is a bit of a, a sort of a why was she cast as this cousin character because if there were some more specific link between the two that wasn't just oh yeah we've got to kind of reference it because hang on a minute you you died well i think that probably is why they did it like they were like oh you know you're a really good actor and you've auditioned for the part and we really like you for uh is it martha i'm what's martha jones I keep Martha wanting Jones, to call her Martha yeah. Freeman, but it's Freeman Adjuman, isn't it? That's why I get confused. <laughs> it's Freeman um, Adjuman, yeah. I think that's probably why they did it, because they she auditioned for Martha Jones, and they were like, oh my god, you're fantastic. However, we've already had you in an episode. Let's, let's just say that was your cousin, if anybody asks. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, you do that. <laughs> well, apparently she d- she'd auditioned for this role. Or she, she auditioned for a different role uh, in Rise of Cybermen Age of mm. Steel. And Army of Ghosts, so one of the uh, Pete's World block called Ezra. Oh right, but that character got cut, oh. but ended up being cast as Addy. That, as Addy. And then apparently the producers were like, we really like her, so we sure, got her again. why not? And I'm like, just it just seems a bit yeah. sudden to have her literally. There'd be one episode, one special between her being a companion, but eh. whatever. It's that's it's water of under course, the bridge. She's Those the episodes next companion, isn't she? Fifteen years ago. Oh my god, yeah. we've got we've got. Runaway Bride for Christmas and then boom straight Yo, to okay. Smith and Jones a platoon of Jadun on the Moon I y'all are prepared for my extreme dislike of Martha <laughs> because I hope y'all are prepared for my extreme dislike of yeah. Donna in in Runaway Bride but more on that when we get to it hopefully when I go back and watch this again I will feel the same way I felt about her back in 2006 I mean you might be able to look at it from I a slightly I, different perspective I think but... I will but anyway, mo- moving moving on. Um, trying to think through the episode, and I'm like, right, what's the next sort of big thing I'm thinking about that happens? Oh, I know what. How about we talk about Tracy Ann Oberman clapping? Uh-huh. <laughs> just, right, go back. I wish, I, to I wish you could see what when... I'm about to do, but I literally completely straight arms just. Yeah, completely straight hands. Who like claps she looks like, like that? one of those I mean... monkeys holding symbols. <laughs> what, like Little a... monkey clapper what, toy a... thing. Goodness me. It's like she does it when uh, there's a successful ghost shift, and then obviously they clap so many times when the doctor rocks up, and it's, it's really like cringy, American really awkward. Cringe. It's just the way I don't know what it is. The way she claps just seems so weird. It's like the it's like free regimen fake yeah. typing. It's like you're almost like fake clapping, I guess. But that's like a thing. But we were saying when we get to the end of Army of Ghosts. All this stuff happens, and obviously when you're watching it through for the first time, it's like, oh my god, there's loads of Cybermen, because, you know, the next time said, Cybermen are back, Cybermen <laughs> are back, in the same way last series, they were like, Daleks are back, Daleks are back, gotta keep people invested in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. But they obviously didn't reveal the Daleks being back. I don't think they revealed Mickey no, being they didn't. back either. No, because I, I completely forgot about so, it. Do you remember when we were sat downstairs watching the episode? Yeah. And there's that bit where Rose is like talking to whatever the bloody hell his name is. And it's like Dr. shooting Singh. over his shoulder. And then all of a sudden the guy turns around and it's Mickey. And I went, oh my God, I forgot Mickey was here. Like I knew he was <laughs> in the episode, but I forgot how they introduced him. I just thought maybe he rocked up with um, Jake and the parallel lot like later on i completely forgot that he was there jake and the parallel gang <laughs> it sounds like a really awful scooby-doo episode <laughs> jake and the Mate, parallel gang um but yeah i completely <laughs> forgot that he was there and i was like oh my god i forgot about mickey so yeah pretty cool i can't remember what your original point was but yeah i agree 
that just talk about the, the rest of the episode and how you know the the, the side men rock up um the the daleks come out of the sphere and the episode ends and you kind of went oh is that it that, that not not much happens do they come out of the sphere in oh yeah because it literally ends yeah, with that's them, how it like, ends yeah. <laughs> what was that what what are you you're making so many random that noises was my attempt week. at like the noise of a dalek's eye stalk like focusing <laughs> the new I'm kind really of Dalek, bad at sound effects. powered Can you by tell? a robot, robot sheep. Um, <laughs> lol. Um, yeah, so it basically ends with the Daleks coming out and sort of being like, "Oh my god, who are you?" And then Rose and Mickey are like, "Oh my god, it's the Daleks!" And the Doctor's like, "Oh my god, it's the Daleks!" <laughs> Can you not? Good God. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, you you said like not much seems no. to happen, but obviously in retrospect, no, it's just a big build up. setting of the scene. It's a go- it's a great build up, especially if you're watching it for the first time. Going back to it, it's like yes, we know all of this. I mean, it's the same with anything. You go back and watch it, we know everything that happens. But it is like you you finish the episode and realize, wow, what's that? It? If I had to wait a week <laughs> to watch it, like it's almost like if I am rewatching it and had to wait a week. Even though I know what happens, I feel like I'm massively underwhelmed by the first part because it feels like not much happens. Back but in the day. When you're watching it for the first time, when you're watching it at 11 years old, right? 11, yeah, 11 years old, I think we would have been, July. Um, you're seeing the Daleks, you're seeing Cybermen rock up and then surprise, the Daleks mm-hmm. are back. It's like hell. I mean, that sentence yes. when he's like, we did not build it. It is not Cybermen technology, blah, blah, blah. It was literally kind of like, oh, oh. And then it's like the oh, doctor's snap. realization of like, then what is it? And then all of a sudden it's like. You've got, <laughs> you've got no. Um, uh, sorry, no, you've got, you've got uh, Mickey. I was going to say mm. Noel. You got Mickey talking about how it's this it's a Cyberman, it's it's the Cyber King, it's a Cyber Controller, it's whatever. So you're already getting red herrings in the script saying it's something Cyberman. It's some nothing is saying this is something completely uh-huh. different until, as you say, that point when the, the Cybermen are like, yo, that ain't ours. The Daleks arrive and then yeah. Doomsday and opens again with Rose being like, I am sad, I'm going to die. <laughs> Lol, yeah. It's like Cool, bro. Heard I was going to say, moving regarding on. the first episode and how it doesn't feel like an episode. Um, I mean, it does feel like an episode, but you know what I mean? I was, because we yeah. sat there and I was like, wait, is it finished already? And it kind of feels like it's, it was only on for like 20 minutes because so little happens. Mm. However, I would say that the pacing, despite the fact that not much happens, they somehow managed to get that pacing spot on especially between the two episodes because you don't really think about how much it ramps up in the second episode but does it like if you think about it if you break it down to like the kind of um minimal sort of plot points episode one doctor and rose come back ghosts appear they go to torchwood they figure out there's a crack in the rift Something happens, Cybermen appear, Daleks appear, Bob's your uncle, done. Second episode is like, oh, hang on, Daleks are here and Cybermen are here. What do we do to fix this? Oh, okay, well, we've got a plan. Let's go find this. Let's let the Cybermen shoot the Daleks. Let's find Pete, open the rift, Bob's your uncle, done. And so 
although the second episode kind of feels like there's much more going on, there's not really. But I really do think that if they tried to squeeze it into a single part, that pacing would have gone so far out the window. They needed that preliminary episode to complete that build up to a point where 11 year old us or however old you were at the time you were watching that and you were thinking like what's gonna happen next what's gonna come on like i know that this is building up something what's gonna happen and then all of a sudden the episode ends and you're like oh uh, huh and your brain just kind of goes like <laughs> nothing happened but also everything happened because without that first build up like the second episode makes no sense obviously but it it it's kind of like you he's laying down all the groundwork for explaining like how the rift is shattering the earth and i love that effect of the glass breaking like i thought that was such a clever way to explain that for not only them but the audience um and then that a whole section in the middle where he's like yeah sure go for it open it why not just do it and she's literally <laughs> like dead locking him in the eyes like should we open it should we not open it and that whole scene is just fantastic um but yeah like i i i think they really really nailed the pacing with this because despite the fact that not much happens in the first episode you feel like there's still a lot happening because you get all the kind of character yeah. development and you get the sort of plot development and you get like the doctor's exp there are a few points of exposition in this that were a little bit nitty gritty like you didn't necessarily need the yeah. check the cctv i'm doing it now section but hey ho, that's another part yeah but it's it, compare it to what we've had in yeah, recent years that was like nothing. it's a testament to how well as you say the pacing is and how well they're able to convey mm -hmm. so little in just pure yeah. build-up because you love the characters you love seeing what's gonna happen next and you love seeing torchwood finally after mm -hmm. all this time we know what's finally happening and you get so much of it like i think if not to just constantly crap on chibnall but it's like if you gave him that same kind of plot i i would not think he would be able to convey it in the way that rusty davies and graham you Harper say not to crap on chibnall but episodes. let's just crap on chibnall because <laughs> we can i think we can all admit at this point when he announced he was leaving we all breathed a sigh of relief i was gonna say that's i was about to say yeah we have <laughs> oh yeah not been on this podcast since obviously we need to jody briefly, and christian we need to briefly interrupt to, to just let's just mention the season 13 trailer is it season 13 yeah yeah um because they did that whole san diego comic-con thingamajigger and they were like oh by the way jody and chris are leaving and everyone was like well they didn't say it at that no, no, no. It was after that but they were like they showed the sad jody's leaving happy chibnall's leaving but the two of them just come as a package deal we i think jody we deserved all better knew that if chris left jody would leave and it's because they're broad church pals like you know it was always going to happen but chibnall jody deserved she so better. deserved better can you imagine if russell t davis had been writing for jody it would have been so, so good, and yet she got lumped with first oh, no. drafty. Like. <laughs> first drafty. Just, good it's God, so yeah. bad. It is a shame. It's so a shame. bad. Anyway. Sorry, but I just. Thought. Let's go back. Let's go back to Doomsday. Um, when the Genesis arc left the sphere, mm. do you remember what you thought was in there? Uh. 
This is a question for you lot as I'm well. I'm just filling in the blank noise because I realised thinking at, on a podcast, you can't see us. At Castapod, what did you think was in the Genesis arc before it opened and revealed? I've got to be honest, I don't actually remember. I think because when the Daleks said it's Time Lord technology, I think for some reason my brain thought that maybe it was going to be Time Lords in there or it was going to be some sort of thing that yeah. made that uh the doctor wasn't like the last of his kind anymore um or maybe there was some great big weapon in there that they'd fashioned during the time war or something like that but i I don't think i expected daleks to come out of it um but then i also can sort of see now why it wouldn't be anything else because if it's time lord technology obviously their enemies are the daleks and the daleks have no respect for anything but themselves and think that they are the sort of um what's the word i'm looking for uh uh superior that's the word i'm looking for um that they are the superior race and so why would it be anything else but more daleks because they're obviously not going to want to use anything else because why would they mess up their own species for the sake of time lord technology unless it was relevant to them so i can sort of see how it wouldn't really be anything but daleks in there but my 11 year old brain was probably like i wonder what it's gonna be (laughs) i just wanted it to be davros i was dying during the first four series of doctor who for davros see i didn't know who davros was i remember before well, i already did because i'm Obviously. a massive nerd um i remember when the finale of series one parting of the ways was announced was aired and i didn't see it because i was doing dance classes or something so i always was and um i remember asking my uncle because who watched it i was like what did what did the big bad guy look like you know that you survived through me from the next time um who was it what was it he said oh yeah it was like a thing with a one eye and i'm like oh my god it's davros oh. <laughs> and it wasn't no. so i hoped it i hoped it was davros in the genesis arc so when it opened to reveal a dalek i think i remember being a bit like oh okay Sh- mm. sure it's just more daleks in it <laughs> but then again i'm also like i'll have more yeah. daleks because every t- honestly every time every single time a dalek comes on screen i'm like i love daleks yeah except the i'm Power still Rangers. waiting i'm still waiting on getting a new series 2005 dalek yeah and it's the one i've got like one little model of a 2005 dalek i want to get at least the 12 inch they're just one. so beautiful so i've like russell t davis reimagining I, of the mm. daleks is so stunning and the fact that well, it's not Russell no, no, no. specifically, but, but yeah. yeah the Russell that, T. Davies era, era of uh, Time War Dalek and what have you. Well, it's the revival yeah. era because they haven't changed them, really. They've tried, but they haven't managed to. Like, I think, I, I can't, don't quote me on this, but it feels like the longest it's been without a Dalek mm. redesign. Like, officially. Like, throughout the course of the classic series, they changed a lot. Even just down to, like, colour scheme and certain bits and pieces that changed. But the Time War Dalek just hasn't I mean, changed. The bronze and the gold oh, just It's just beautiful. It's, it just I hasn't. mean, I think... It's gorgeous. Uh, obviously, you have, throughout New Who, had different iterations of Daleks. Of course, where yeah. you've obviously gone through Cough Cough Power Rangers and... Um, you've had Ironsides, you've had the... 
the reconnaissance yeah. drone and then the defense mm-hmm. drone Daleks that I'm still waiting for toys yes. of. Can um, I have the, the one good thing out of Revolution of the Daleks? I was going to say, obviously awesome. you've got Jodie's era of Dalek where the, it rebuilt itself from scratch and they were, that like. was stunning. I've got a pop, I've got a pop Yeah, no, that was that. really pretty. I like that Dalek. Um, but yeah, the Time War Daleks are the best ones out of New Who, let's be honest, because they are just so... There's just something so industrial about them, but the colours just work so beautifully together. And even the black yeah. one in this episode, Dalek I don't hate awesome. it like at all. Like you think an all black Dalek would be a bit like boring, but it's the fact that it's not just like all black, matte black. It's very because <laughs> Supremes from the past have always been. You know, the bl- black has always been their like dominant mm-hmm. color of this. This is this is the big boy, um, but it's never been solid black. You've always had like I'm trying to think back. You think of some, I say you think of something like the Dalek invasion of Earth. The the, the Supreme Dalek had a black dome, and some of its skirt slats mm-hmm. were black. You had black Daleks in the later episodes in like in Troughton's episodes. In John Pertwee's, the the lead Dalek was gold. Be it in Day of the Daleks, where it looked like a normal Dalek, but just was it was kind of gold, but it was a bit of a muted mm-hmm. sort of gold. And then you had the planet of the Daleks as Supreme, which is just absolutely ridiculous, and I love it. That was big black and. In case gold. you can't tell, Rich You've is got... a Dalek nerd. <laughs> I'm a big Dalek nerd. You didn't really have any, if I remember rightly, you didn't really have any Supremes during the course of the Tom Baker era because mm-hmm. it was Davros. Because that was when he was introduced. But, I mean, even he was in black. Davison's era. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Davros was Davros's and, uh, chair yeah. was black, but it was silver. The the the, the, the spheres were silver. Um, Peter Davison's supreme was mm-hmm. black and white. Um, the supreme Dalek. If there was one in the Baker era, no, there wasn't. I don't think there was. You had um, Davros, and you had the first Imperials, and you had the Renegades, but I don't know whether there was a black dog mm. i don't think there was i might be wrong but then mccoy's so mccoy's supreme was black yeah. and silver so this was the first one that was just full-on solid black as much as i love it i'm still waiting on a black and silver yeah. dark for the time uh-huh. design just give me give me dalek sec with silver domes and silver accents and i'm yes. like i am all sold on that um but sorry that, that, that was, was a- my brief history of dalek <laughs> supremes I hope you um, enjoyed it. What was it? I was going to go sort of onto a new point. Cult of Scarrow? Yeah, the Cult of Scarrow, but also um, I was going to uh, move on ever so slightly um, because we're already at 51 minutes and I don't even think we've talked about... Um, you said earlier that we would come back to um, the point of... Sorry, my brain's working at like half speed right now trying to remember what it was you said. You said coming back <laughs> to the point of the solution and the doctor's thinking yes yeah yes. so go ahead that, i knew there was that. something i said about that <laughs> and i'm like i don't know whether no, we've we already haven't. covered it but no you're bang on there thank you thank you it's for okay. remembering yeah so we've already mentioned earlier about how the doctor has their standard oh here's my epiphany scene you know the matt smith's i am the doctor theme starts playing uh peter capaldi's doctor theme starts playing jody Whitt- jody whittaker starts going oh 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 yeah. Oh, and then Yaz sits there going, "Tell me, Doctor. Tell me." Pulls out her, you know, notebook and 
her little classroom bench her little desk thing, i love the doctor diary to take notes <laughs> yeah she's like i would say like the the girl from raiders of the lost ark but you haven't seen raiders I of the lost ark Sals. um where the girl sits at the front of the uh, at the front of indiana jones's class and she blinks slowly and she's written love you on her eyelids that's that's yaz um crazy yeah, a bit cringy but then again it's young it's young harrison ford so well more simping um uh, the one of the things I really love about this episode is the Doctor's running about Canary Wharf. He's rescued um, Jackie from, well, kind of rescued Jackie from the Cybermen. He's rescued Rose and Mickey from the the Sphere Room, and they're all regrouped. And they run back into the big warehouse, and the Doctor goes and picks up those big mm-hmm. clamps that they get pointed out earlier on in Army of Ghosts. And at this point, when you know the episode, you realise. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not had his revelation. Yes, we get it explained to us, but at this point, we are actually clamoring for that explanation because he's just doing it. And we're like, we need to know what you're doing, yeah. Doctor, basically. He's not going to say what he's going to do and then do it. He does it first, then explains Which I think it. is and what I like, love. If that's if that's how you want to get exposition over, do it like yeah. that. Because you leave the audience wanting to know what they're doing, not having the audience like be played along with it which is one of the things that i criticized a lot about mm-hmm. chibnall's era is the fact that it's like he spoon feeds you every step of the way to literally, say, this, is what's happening. literally. this is what's happening and it's like this is really yeah. patronizing I don't think- do it because you don't you don't realize until he starts explaining it you go oh wait uh-huh. he's already sorted it yeah it's like- kind of like at the end of a scooby-doo episode where they go oh and the masked man was this person Old man wickles the and creepy suddenly janitor? you're like, wait, hang on a minute. Who is this person and why are they the criminal? Um, so it's kind of like that that genuine shock reveal where he's like, oh, but don't you realise what I'm doing? Like, isn't anybody going to ask me about the glasses? And you think... It's literally, it's literally like it Sherlock. Is. Imagine watching Sherlock and having Sherlock explain what he's doing It'd all be the so way annoying. through. How so dumb annoying. would that be? But um, I love that scene with the glasses because all the way through you think he's just been the quirky doctor and he's just got another one of these like fun little things that he's found. Like, always oh, bring a banana to a party and like, wears it, like, you know, comes in wearing a tie around his head as if he's been drunk. Um, but actually, there is a legitimate reason why he's got the 3D glasses on. And all of a sudden he's like isn't anybody going to ask me about <laughs> the glasses and you're like as a viewer you're like oh yeah like you just kind of get used to seeing them throughout the episode that he's just putting them on and taking them off and i suppose when i was 11 i probably just thought oh look he's wearing 3d glasses they're so funny um of course yeah. if you're watching this for the first time yes that is genuinely what 3d glasses used to look like have fun with that kids um because if you've ever watched an old old 3d dvd where literally the way they do the 3d effect is by merging one red frame and one blue frame either side of the standard frame and then you wear a pair of red and blue glasses to make it look like they're merged into one image yeah that's how old 3d works and it's disgusting and it was great <laughs> i'll always stand by spike it's three being the greatest 3d Spikey film ever made the tits um i was really disappointed when i went to go and see my first 3d film of the new 3d was IMAX. tron legacy and there's no there's nothing flying in my nah, face i was like this sad. is rubbish where's spike it's three spike it's three is basically tron legacy but better <laughs> <laughs> you heard it at first folks tron legacy is rubbish spike i, it's I didn't is the say best. tron legacy is rubbish i said spike it's free is better 
No, Tron Legacy is good. Spy Kids 3 is um, like, boy, this is anyway, good stuff. Um, so, yeah, you have that kind of like scene where it's like, oh, hang on, the 3D glasses were actually doing something. Yeah. And it gets explained to everyone there at the same time that it gets explained to you. And I think as an as a viewer, I like that about David's Doctor in this instance because it doesn't make you feel stupid. Because what I find sometimes about Matt Smith's era is that obviously Stephen Moffat is a very, very good writer. He wrote Sherlock, like, you know, he's very clever. But he acts as if the Doctor is too clever for the human race in... Um, in like Moffat's era, it sort of becomes like, and we've mentioned this before, Matt Smith's Doctor sort of becomes like this godlike, I'm so clever, I'm so brilliant character. Whereas David's Doctor was yeah. very much, or should I say Russell's Doctor, because I feel like it's more Russell's decision. Doctors. Yeah, Russell's yeah. Doctors are very much like, yes, I'm brilliant, but I'm not going to showboat about it. Like, yeah, okay, Eccleston was a bit of a showboat, but that's because he was a northerner. Um but no, I. <laughs> but so is Tennant. He's not. He's much more northern yeah, than Tennant Eggleston. Is, uh, we watched Top Two Confidential, and Tennant's <laughs> Scottish accent was out, and I was just like, <laughs> anyway, um, that's my one simp <laughs> for the episode. Um, but I feel like Russell's doctors were very much like, yeah, we're brilliant, but we're not going to make you feel stupid for our brilliance. Like we're just going to kind of yeah. work it out and go but don't you get it? Like, and here's the explanation rather than being like, oh my God, hang on. I've had an epiphany. I'm so clever. I'm going to explain this all to you. It makes you sort of be like, oh my God, that's so clever. Like, how did he think of that solution? Oh my God. And you're sort of experiencing it at the same time as the characters. And I feel like it makes the whole experience much more authentic because realistically, if you were the doctor, you probably wouldn't waste much time standing there and explaining your plans. You would probably just be setting them in motion and then being like, oh, by the way, here's five minutes for me to tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> when you're up against Daleks and Cybermen together properly for the first time in Doctor Who history, yeah, you wouldn't yeah, hang fire, You don't have time you? to really faff about. Although suddenly they just have like... 10 minutes to stand in a hallway while Jackie and Peter are like, oh my God, you're not my wife, you're not my husband. And then... Well, it but was it's like, happen, uh, you it? do, like, Cybermen are still walking up and down the stairs outside and they can literally burst in on you any moment and yet you two are sobbing. <laughs> like, okay, maybe get a wiggle cool, on. bro. Um, One thing that I've, I've just, because I mentioned Cybermen, we haven't really spoken about them all that much because we, you know, we talked a lot about the Cybermen back in... Uh, Army of, Age of sorry, Rise Age of Cybermen, Age yeah. of Steel. Um, but there's just this one little tidbit that I was thinking. Right, I need to mention this if we talk about this specifically, and I've completely forgotten about it. But I've just reminded myself. Back in Army of Ghosts, fun little fact for you, Amy, and also listeners, if you didn't know this, back when um, the when the Cyberman says to uh, Yvonne, like, speak to the 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 head of the planet mm-hmm. that you're you, you're under our jurisdiction now and she was like bitch we don't have a leader of the planet do your research and he goes fine i'll talk to everyone and it cuts to the cyberman on the family's tv with the cyberman just like standing over them there is a cut scene from that particular spot of a cyberman with a camera like there's literally a cyberman camera (laughs) what for the news (laughs) 
But when when that Cyberman goes and Does the news like, broadcast. talks to the world, I don't think it's literally a Cyberman with a camera. I think the, the deleted scene does actually exist. It's either got it. He's either like using his, you know, the same way they beam into that Cyberman's eyes when they see the Dalek, or whether he's got like a modified gun on his wrist that's, that's actually so a camera. Funny. But there's literally a camera Cyberman stood in front of the uh, the cyber controller. I would who films him talking See, I feel to the like world, which is absolutely hilarious. Because he kills the bloody Ghost Watch news anchor. Like, it starts off with the Cybermen's invasion of them just, like, wandering around and starting to kill people. And then it becomes, oh, but actually we're going to keep you alive because we need you to be alive for the sake of us converting you. Um, so they're not actually there to kill. So realistically, I don't know why they killed the news anchor when they probably could have just been like, you film our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I found it. Literally, they've got a little, there's a shot specifically showing off the fact that the this particular Cyberman's little wrist thing oh my is God, a camera, not a gun. Can you please send gun. it to me in our Discord chat? I will very, I will very because quickly I need send to it to see you this. now so you can see it. <laughs> It's there. You go. There's a fun little fact for you who didn't who didn't already know that there was a scene where a Cyberman had a camera on his wrist. Oh my god, that's wrist, so funny! And it was <laughs> shooting the cyber controller. But and they Jackie the and the Doctor like, are stood in the background of this freeze frame. Jackie's like staring at the Cyberman, like, "What the bloody hell is going on?" And the Doctor's wearing his 3D glasses, <laughs> just gazing at him. And this Cyberman is just holding his wrist up with a light above the gun to be like, "Yo, it's a camera on my wrist, bro." <laughs> You see the cat, the, the Cyberman with his other hand going three, <laughs> two, and they're just mimicking. <laughs> Action. And then off he goes. <laughs> right. I think we've, we've, we've put it off long enough. Let's talk about the ending. Oh, what? Who left this rose on a beach ending? <laughs> oh, who left this rose on a beach? Um, <laughs> God damn it, I'm sorry. So, this is an ending of Doctor Who that was voted by like SFX magazine readers as the greatest moment in the history of sci-fi. Really? A bit pushing yeah, it a, a little bit, bit say, but still but an epic moment. We've had this whole, you know, evolution of tenants, doctor or the doctor in general, but obviously more so with tenant and Rose and it's all coming to this climax. We've already said about how much, um, more comfortable they are with each other. Tenant, the Rose saying, "I'm going to be here forever," and Tenant's like, "Yeah, sure." Whereas before he'd been like, "Hell, hell, hell to no, the no, to the, to the no, no, no." no. <laughs> we get to the final climax of we've sucked all the Daleks off and all the Cybermen off. Did you say sucked them all off? I was waiting for <laughs> your sorry. reaction to I that. Yeah, there was a big pause there for like a two seconds, and then I was like, "Hang Lick on, my plunger, he just daddy. made a sexual joke." Um, <laughs> 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 yes, I did. And Rose obviously inevitably gets pulled into the void. And then here's Pete, saves her. They never explain how he knew to come back and save her. I I mentioned, I said to you, like, either it was just paternal instinct or more than likely plot convenience. (laughs) No plot convenience. Russell said there was no way we're going to kill her off. It wasn't going to happen. The idea of, of Rose being on the list of the dead which I forgot was actually mentioned specifically in this episode. I thought it was only mentioned at the end of series three, um, but it is mentioned that she's on the list of the dead. So technically she on die. our earth, she's dead. Um, but yeah, they, he said we weren't going to kill her off. But obviously if they do that, where there's a technicality, she's dead. She can say, this is the story of how I died. And she's not really lying. Why do I it's feel like, like with Doctor Who. 
Was that not the opening to, um, oh god, the episode with the Absorbaloff in it? Was that literally not? What was? No, the opening, the opening into the episode with the Absorbaloff was um, Elton Pope running into that building and getting and getting screamed. So, up what the episode voice. of Doctor Who? What other episode of Doctor Who is it where they basically have exactly the same open where they say, "This is the story of how I died." I'm sure there's. Literally, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. No, no, no I know, but I'm it. sure there's another episode where it's like, this is the story of how so-and-so died, or this is the story of my death, or something really, really similar to that. Do you know um, what I'm on about? Was it with Amy Pond? Or is it Torchwood? It might be Torchwood. I'm sure there's something. I don't know, but I, I do I do, I do. Get, if any of you know what I'm talking about... From that please tweet us or tweet me or something because it's really frustrating me that there are definitely, I'm sure that in the Doctor Who universe of some point, there is another beginning to an episode that's like, this is the story of how I died. It could be Owen in Torchwood. Yeah. Is it Owen in Torchwood where he's like, this is the story of how I died? Because I can picture it in his gravelly voice. I don't know because I feel like I can hear Amy Pond saying it. No, it's definitely not an Amy Pond thing. Because I don't think Amy would... Like, she writes the... She writes it, doesn't she? But she doesn't... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Angels Take Manhattan. So maybe? Okay, I'm pretty sure that it is Owen in Torchwood now that I think about it. But somewhere in the Doctor Who universe, that is reused. Anyway, not the point. Please move on. <laughs> yeah. So there's the scene with Rose crying on the opposite side on Pete's world. Love it. Pete's and world. And there's the, yeah. the scene of the Doctor and Rose wall to wall, and that's that's the that's the iconic shot, arguably. That's the most Doomsday. memed shot. <laughs> but it's not. It's the most meme shot, but it's not. It's not the saddest Mm-mm. moment. That comes later when they're on the beach in in Norway. In Bad Wolf Bay. And the Doctor's, you know, revolving around a supernova so he could say goodbye. And... Cries. Yeah. <laughs> Screams Cries. eternally. Rose confessing her love for the Doctor finally and the, and the Doctor supposedly saying it back. It wasn't always intended for that to be Rose Tyler, no, I... I love you. It was deliberately left a bit more ambiguous, but I think over time, it very much is, yes. It was definitely the doctor yeah. going to say I love you. And that that is the scene. That is the point where... It really hits that, home, yeah. Like, it's... Like, obviously, the first bit is heart-wrenching. And I probably did cry when I was young because I'm a very instant... You are a very uh, yeah, emotional Yeah, I'm a very person. emotional person. Not that I see that as a bad thing. Um, but when I'm watching no. a TV show or a film or if there's anything to do with love loss or family, I am gone straight away. So probably when I was 11, I can probably imagine myself being like, I know there are other sides of the ball and you're crying and you can't cope with it. No, but God, what am I going to do? And then it gets to like the next bit and they're like, and I'm like, oh my God, she's crying on the beach. Now it's really sad. And no, my God, what am I going to do? So I could probably see the fact that I may have cried like all the way through the remainder of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many things on TV that make me cry and potentially blasphemous as this one is this whereas is not there one are them. a lot of things that do make me cry on tv <laughs> yeah 
but it's it's still a very very hard hitting ending and i think it is a fitting a fitting ending for rose it is still kind of, it almost does come out of nowhere if you take if you don't have all of the sort of needless foreshadowing about mm-hmm. rose's death the, t- the the torchwood stuff fair yeah. enough but like the whole this is your end you're going to die it's like all right we get it i mean She's i leaving. feel like okay. yeah i was gonna say i feel like at the time the reason they probably put so much foreshadowing in there is because we probably all knew that billy was confirmed to be leaving um and yeah. so they probably were like well it's no huge secret that rose's character is disappearing somehow um but we kind of need to sort of make it a bit of a build-up. And, yeah, I kind of wish they hadn't done all the foreshadowing rubbish, which was like, this is the story of how I died. Or also the whole, we're gonna never ever going to be split up from each other, lol. Um, because I feel like it would have made it so much more impactful had you genuinely just gone into this thinking it was going to be another episode. And then, suddenly they get like separated and you think for that instant that Rose is going to die and then Pete saves the day and she just I actually think it's worse that she didn't die emotionally because she now has to live permanently with the knowledge that she'll never see him again whereas if she had died that wouldn't have been an issue for her it would have obviously been an issue for the doctor and it would have been much more emotionally draining for him it's hard it'd be more hard hitting on his end than it is on rose's end in this case um yeah but i think the fact that she lived and the fact that they both have to live with the fact that they're really never going to see each other again is killer is that's what kills it because she stands on the beach she's just like am i ever gonna see you again and he's like you can't and it's like i'm breaking (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's it's a sad ending for rose but i think Russell did a fantastic job. Oh, the script is of phenomenal. Not killing her off, not pissing people off with it, but but keeping it almost kind of keeps the door uh-huh. open because it's like you said this once about Mickey being lost forever, and yet he came back and be here like five episodes mm-hmm. later. It could happen again in but the future. Wink, wink. Also, what nudge, I love nudge. about the scene where they're talking on the beach is how real it feels because she's literally like. I don't know what to say. And in that instance, you would not have a clue. Like, I feel like if it was me, I would just be staring at them and being like, please don't go, please don't go, please don't go. Because what else do you say? And then they suddenly, like, he's trying to distract her by being like, oh, you're back with your family? Like, how is it? And it's like the most boring of small talk, but also it is exactly what would happen in that instance, isn't it? Like, what else do you talk about aside from where you are which is a beach in norway called bad wolf bay lol um or also i love how they clearly wanted it to be called bad wolf bay and when they realized that the translation in norwegian was darling they were like yeah let's go there screw it because that sounds like dalek and we could write in a funny line about dalek um but yeah like the sort of like talking just about like we're on a beach where are we and like how's your family and then all of a sudden it's kind of like she is trying to put on this brave face of being like yeah yeah we're all fine this that and the other and then all of a sudden she's just like ah cries it's kind of like i'm sorry that was very loud um (laughs) like (laughs) it it would happen like that because you're trying to hold yourself together and then all of a sudden your emotions just come pouring out of you 
and suddenly you're like, I love you. Please don't leave me. Like, I really, like, I can't go on like this. I really want to see you again. And then he's just like, you can't. And that's the reality of the situation. And I know that you love me and I love you too, but there's nothing we can do about it. Um, And I think that is what is so heartbreaking about it is the reality of it because you just feel like that's exactly how it would be. And I think that's why Russell T. Davies did a fantastic job of writing that section of the script. You're welcome. (laughs) There you go. That was was great. But that leads on to uh, a question from Callum who asked whether it was the right time for Rose to leave and do, do you think she was trying to be too much like the Doctor in these two episodes rather than the Doctor's companion? Um... I think for the latter part of that question, Callum, I'd say no. She wasn't trying too hard to be the Doctor. She was almost in a position where she kind of mm-hmm. had to be. She was thrust into that position. It did. It wasn't like, as an example, uh, Dark Water or Death in Heaven. I think it's Death in Heaven. Yeah, it is Death in Heaven. Series 11? Eh. No, series eh. 10. Capaldi's first series where Clara's like, I'm the Doctor, and it changes the title sequence to be Clara oh, as the Doctor yeah, instead that of was... Capaldi. <sighs> that, I mean, again, Clara trying to be the Doctor, that's a whole other conversation we will have Gross. at some point in the future, but this doesn't feel no. like that. Rose is thrust in a position where she has to think on her feet, and she will just, because the first person she'll think of is, what would the Doctor do? Hence why psychic paper, hence why waltzing about trying to be, um, you know, studious mm-hmm. and get around and use the psychic paper and stuff and then even up against the Daleks if you have any information <clears throat> excuse me if you have any information that would make them shut up like Daleks you're Daleks I killed the Emperor ha 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 to keep her alive she was going to yeah. do it so I wouldn't say that in the latter part of that question about trying to be too much like the Doctor that's not there's an extent of that is true but it's yeah not it's not like thing. she was doing it because she wanted to be that person. It's because, she, like you said, she had to be that person. Um, she wasn't trying no, to one-up She him. was just trying to survive, essentially. Um, and she yeah. was just doing what she learned from the best. Like, that's exactly what the Doctor came in and did straight after her. Um, but it's just that he obviously is the sort of the beacon of the knowledge, so she was just pulling from what her experiences was and what she could. Um but I do think it was the right time for her to leave because we've had two series and is there a companion that's lasted longer than two series in New Who? Yeah, yeah that's Amy what I thought. Pond, yeah, Amy, like, I knew Amy Pond had. Basically, but... all of them apart from Martha and Donna. Mm. And Donna um, I think. But I feel like... Yeah. Oh, Bill. Bill yeah, only did I one series. I forgot about Bill. Lol. Um... Yeah, it's a shame. shame. Um, I yeah, I feel like maybe it was the right time for Rose's character to leave because it was like we watched Doctor Who Confidential and Russell T Davies literally says in Doctor Who Confidential, you've got to keep things moving. Like the Doctor's life has to keep pushing on and evolving. And he, not that he's immortal because he's definitely not, but he's. He lives for so much longer than a human lifespan could ever manage. Um, And he's already... I mean, how old is he already here? Is he like 900 and something already? He's still 900 and something. Um, But the fact that he is 900 and something, like, you know, 
Russell T Davies was right in saying that the Doctor's life has to keep moving forwards and you have to keep progressing that like you can't get too stagnant and as much as I think the Doctor probably would have happily travelled with Rose like everywhere eventually he would have to admit the fact that she wouldn't be able to carry on with him because she would get old and be frail and he would have to watch her die and as heartbreaking and as awful as that is that is the truth of it um yeah and so i feel like to keep that ball rolling it probably was right for her to leave in this instance because she just started to get comfortable and she just started to get like oh you know i really like traveling with you i'm gonna be here forever and at that point you're like are you though (laughs) like so yeah i think if we'd have had another series of rows it maybe would have got to the point where we were starting to get a little bit like okay the rose and the doctor dynamic has been done now yeah there wasn't really a direction they could go apart from maybe getting together which admittedly hasn't really been explored in doctor who yet which i'm kind sort of kind of interested to see them do at some point see how a more a more of a relationship dynamic not necessarily between companions like Mm. about amy and rory it's like how that would work but yeah you're right. I think it wasn't. It's not something I look back and go, go look on and go right. Rose should have done series no. three as well, not Martha. I don't Nobody ever feel like Rose's welcome was like. I don't feel like Rose outstayed her welcome, but I also don't feel like she left too early. No, because at the end of the day, we haven't seen the last of her yet. So, Spoilers, yeah. lol. She, you know, <laughs> yeah she holds rose holds a very very important place in Huvian's hearts in terms of being that first companion back in the same way that eccleston holds a very special place in people's hearts for being the doctor that mm-hmm. brought doctor who back you can't like appreciate who now and not look back at russell chris and billy and go nicely yeah. done guys well done so but again it's not really we haven't really done a whole big goodbye to rose because we haven't seen no, the last of it yet but so but we did kind of do that. a big goodbye to her like that was the whole point was that it was a big goodbye yeah. but is it i mean i mean more is in i mean more is in on oh, the podcast right now whereas like before i was like oh my god eccleston's yeah. gone ah. like oh yeah boo, <laughs> seen a bit. aaron is asking a rather grim but would you rather cyber converted or plunger to death oh plunger to death absolutely like also could, plunger like, to death for the sake quick, of dying easy yeah okay it hurts for five seconds but then you're dead cyber conversion hurts a lot you know what's about to happen you dread that and then all of a sudden you your brain exists inside this metal canister and if your emotional inhibitor becomes detached you suddenly are aware of that no thank you like i would never want the risk of knowing i was encased inside this metal suit trying to kill people like i'd rather just die yeah (laughs) end of (laughs) Cameron asks, uh, what we thought Pete's World Torchwood would be like? Would it be um, would it be more like uh, the series <clears throat> or more like the London base? And I would say it no, was very much London just base. the London base. But uh, it's mean, one of those things where I'm kind of happy they didn't lean into too much of the parallel world because if you lean onto parallel worlds too much, people will start to assume everything's parallel world. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that um, they only really focused on in terms of characters who are present in both sides, i.e. Mickey, Jackie, Pete, that's mm-hmm. it. And the fact that yeah. they've kept it like that 
is a very very clever way of doing parallel worlds yeah so yeah i think i think it definitely would have been london canary wharf torchwood because i think the whole point of pete's world we're gonna call it pete's world um the whole point of pete's world being the parallel universe is the fact that it is so similar apart from maybe one or two differences um and obviously the zeppelins and stuff being there is just kind of the the distinguishing factor between the two worlds but i think it's very cleverly done like you said and I think if they'd have made it too much like the series, it just wouldn't have felt like a parallel world. Like the whole point of it is that they've already done this once in their own world. So therefore they know exactly what to do now kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been the London one for sure. I mean, they literally show you the same place, just opposite. Just obviously with cables a bit more all over the shop. done and left alone mm-hmm. and abandoned sort of. Uh, Bleachfield. Any more questions? says uh do you think it would be a better better or worse ending if the doctor actually finished his sentence before fading away worse worse so much worse because that that cliffhanger that knowledge that that meeting was never ever going to be finished like the fact that he faded and rose was hanging on his every word and then she just kind of realizes oh my god that was it like i literally am never going to hear that voice again they were going to kick you down and they did it well yeah yeah that it definitely if he'd finished that sentence it would have been like okay because then how do you end that yeah like it you would know, have, it I would have taken you. away all the emotional stuff it would have almost it wouldn't have wrapped it up nicely but it wouldn't have ended in such a sad way it yeah. wouldn't have it probably wouldn't have that same impact because i think people would have expected that to finally happen but the fact that it didn't was really hard mm-hmm. and the fact that it never happens like just anyway um eh? it does happen he doesn't he never outright says it yes he does no because he whispers it to her well yeah but that's what i'm but that's not the same no no no. but what i mean is that as the audience we never ever hear him say those words i think that That is is why the emotional weight of the ending of this episode works so well that's my point yeah but that also (laughs) kind of leads leads us very quickly nicely onto uh the ending of the actual episode overall which is revealing of uh, catherine tate as the bride appearing in the tardis and as said right at the end of like this of series one and about how they had to tease the Daleks coming back for parting of the ways. It's like they've got to keep the momentum going. This was still very, very early days with Doctor Who. They weren't sure how well Tennant would do. Um mm-hmm. they weren't sure how well Matt Smith was gonna do. They almost cancelled the show after Tennant left because it was like, we don't know how good it's gonna be. We might as well not bother. Oh, lol. Yeah. Look how that happened. Look what, look what happened. Mm. Um blew up in America. But that ending, that sort of comedic ending, it, it almost ruins it, unfortunately. It's such yeah. a shame that it it doesn't end on that sad, sad moment. We do get a, a, an end of a series later on where it does just end a couple of times on just this low. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. And it just leaves you kind of in the dumps. I mean, which, I said that, didn't yeah. I? I said I wish they hadn't added in the teaser for the next episode because it feels kind of like you've just had this absolute heart-wrenching rip your heart out moment and then all of a sudden it just jumps back to oh here's Catherine tate she's comedy and it's like um these are two very 
juxtaposed emotions that I'm feeling right now and I'm crying and you're trying to make me laugh. Yeah. That's not okay. <laughs> but as said, they have to they have to keep things going. Yeah. I so. mean I understood why they did it totally because you've got to have a cliffhanger for the Christmas episode because you need people to be like, oh, I need to know what that's about. Um but yeah, it does kind of feel like it was very tacked on the end. Like they wrote the entire end of the episode and then all of a sudden he goes, oh, quick, we need a teaser. <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is and you understand why they had to do it. So yeah. But, ah, well, we can't change the past. Such can is we? life. Which is a shame. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there are there, there are a few more questions, but then uh, yeah, we've been on for nearly an hour and a half now. It's been a bit of a longer episode than we than we expected. Well, it, it to would be. be, but yeah, that is about where we're going to wrap up for series two. So I hey, think over- we finally made it through. Thoughts overall, Amy? Very very briefly, what would you say, series two? Um, don't we normally do like an episode ranking as well? Oh yeah, we do, don't we? Oh god! Well, I think did of we that. last time? Well, very, very quickly, we'll try and squeeze that in. Um, um, maybe let's not do a full ranking because that we we no, haven't. No. I haven't thought about but, that. Okay, let's do. Okay, worst episode of series. So let's just worst episode of series two. Oh, Jesus Christ! I've got to go back through series two now. Um, can you quickly get up the episode list? I will get up the episode list for you right now. I could probably rattle off the top of my head, but I'm not going to do it to make sure I do it right. So, Christmas Invasion, technically. New Earth, Tooth and Claw, School Reunion, Girl in the Fireplace, Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel, Idiot's Lantern, Impossible Planet, Satan Pit, Love and Monsters, Fear Her, Army of Ghosts, Doomsday. Oh my god. What a series. There's like, Um, what, if I had to very quickly, while you think about that, very quickly for me, this is the first series where we have those pitfalls. People thought there were pitfalls in series one. There aren't. They don't mm-hmm. drop as low as these. Um, especially since both of these episodes are back to back. But for me, the worst episode of series two is Fear Her. It's, yeah, I knew you were going to say Fear it's Her. It's Fear Her. I think, yeah, I think I can kind of take Love and Monsters in tongue and cheek and be a little bit like, yeah, Definitely. it's fine. It's fun. It's Definitely. joke. But Fear Her was trying to be more serious than it should be. So yeah, I think I would maybe agree. I think since we've discussed in that episode, um, I might have changed my tune slightly about Fear Her. Like, it's not that I absolutely despise it, but it's definitely the worst of series two. Best of series two. I can't <gasps> I, Jesus I Christ. can't really decide because it's there's there's so much good. I'm not sure. Like, genuinely, if you take out Love of Monsters and Fear Her, rest of the series is bang on, mate, in my opinion. For me, it'd be maybe like probably like girl in the fireplace or impossible planet satan pit as a two-parter together or probably just army of ghosts doomsday like it's 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 so hard it's so hard it is hard um as a i would say as a standalone episode because not including two-parters but the two-parters are just so good they are um as a standalone episode i would maybe say girl in the fireplace yep but if we're talking including two parters, I kind of can't decide whether I prefer the Impossible Planet Satan Pit or uh, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Like Age of Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel was great, but out of the three two parters in series two, not my fave. Um, I think I preferred the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. 
if yeah, I really, really I, think I, about it. Because as much as Army one. of Ghosts and Doomsday is heart-wrenching and it's the end of the series, I feel like more happened in The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit that got me excited. Whereas this was kind of like, it, it is the thing, but it was basically like a vessel to get rid of Rose. Whereas Impossible Planet Satan Pit was just a fantastic episode because it was a fantastic episode. It didn't need to be much more than that. And like the twists and the plots, like changes and the sort of, you know, the, the surprises that came with those that two-parter. I think I preferred that to this. So it's a tough one. It's a very, very tough one. But I don't think I'd be able to rate my best, best episode of Series 2 because they're all just so bloody good. So that's a question for you guys over on Twitter, at Castapod. What is your best story of series two and what is your worst quite simple because i mean i, I completely forgot about the fact we ranked series one mm. but i think best and worst is a nice sort of more as a roundabout way yeah, of doing we'll probably it probably try and we do took ages working out our ranking of series one didn't we so yeah definitely maybe just the best and worst so at castapod what is your best of series two what is your worst next time maybe. we're going to be dealing with donna noble in the Runaway Yay. Bride, a very different Donna Noble to the one we come to know in the future. Maybe we should put up a poll on the Twitters. That is, how many options can you add to a poll? Four. Oh, balls. Yeah, um, you can't do okay, big I'll... ones unless we did like straw God damn poll it. or something. Okay, well, I was going to suggest doing uh, what was your favourite episode of putting all of them up, but if you can't do that, then I guess not. Just tweet us yeah. instead. What's your what's the best episode <laughs> of series two? Sorry, your best episode of series two and your worst episode of series two at Castapod. K-A-S-T-E-R-P-O-D. Beautiful. So yeah, next time we're gonna be talking about the runaway bride. And uh we'll try again not to leave it too long until next time. We're gonna watch Christmas episode, Amy. You ready for Christmas? Oh my god. It's nearly Christmas in August. It's nearly Christmas, guys. Although to be fair, by the time we record that if we do it in two weeks it'll probably be september by then honestly i thought you were gonna say by the time we get around to recording it, it probably will be christmas i thought that was the, i thought that was the joke you were about to make amy and i was about no. to be very very sad no. so uh yeah it will probably be september because we are currently recording this on the 18th, 18th of august. august so yeah um so apologies again time. for the wait we'll try our best not to, to keep it like that but again i can the beauty of having the twitter is i can now keep you guys posted as to how things are going so at castapod send us your best and worst episodes of series two and just sort of stay tuned but thank you all so much for listening you wonderful castapodians yeah cute. how cute is that so thank cute. you thank you richard for for coining that that's very much appreciated and um i was gonna say something yes amy where can people find you and what you're doing people can find me at ames underscore elizabeth on basically every social media i don't really tweet I say this every time. I basically only post on Instagram. So if you genuinely want to follow me and what I'm up to in life, follow me on Instagram at Ames underscore Elizabeth. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at PickupChangeToe, but also follow um, at Castapod. And also, as of tomorrow, I'm going back to Twitch. So twitch.tv slash Rich is live. It'll be Friday when this goes out, so you'll have missed my first stream back playing Tetris Effect Connected, but I'll be playing planet coaster tomorrow if you're listening on friday the 20th so uh mm -hmm. yeah twitch which is rich's live at pickup change toe for my personal twitter and instagram and also at castapod of course best of my episode of series yeah. two thank you for listening all you lovely castapodians we appreciate you all thank you for bearing with us lots of Very love to you so. all take care i was about to say keep it pinned god damn it 
No, that's, no that's your work stuff. <laughs> That's my work sign-off. God damn it. Take care, Maybe folks. Maybe we need a better sign-off for this because normally we just kind of fade out going, bye, and it I mean, always feels we'll a bit just awkward. Say bye. It's cute. We'll just, bye. We'll just, bye. Yeah. Bye. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I mean, you can, you can say a different thing to sign off. Go on. What are you going to say? Um. Uh, see y'all later. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just say bye. <laughs>